Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. We have an incredible podcast talking about something that I think will relate to all of you. You know, we're getting ready to start a new series here at Living Stones. In fact, by the time you're watching this episode, we will have been in it for a couple of weeks, but we're, we just want to whet your appetite and just kind of share where we're coming from. Uh, and then we'll dive into that in the weeks to come. But we're talking about a series called The Great Relationship Killer. And that killer is this toxic emotion that we all deal with called shame. And you and I have been talking about that. In fact, I think it was something that you shared in, uh, in one of your messages on growth yeah. um, and how shame is such a killer of growth that really got us thinking and talking and and realizing that if, we're, if we are committed here at Living Stones, which we are, to growing people yeah. and multiplying leaders, it's very hard to grow personally and it's very hard to lead other people if our lives are all tangled up with shame. Well, it's interesting because I... Shame is something that is, you don't want to talk about because it's shameful. You know, I mean, that's, by its own definition, by its own words, you like no one like. Oh, I can't wait to go and talk about my shame today. You know, it's just that's well, shameful, that, that right? is part of the, the uh, pernicious effects of shame. Right. Is that you're you're ashamed to talk about your shame, right. which keeps you from talking about your shame, right. which keeps you living in shame, and but, you know, it, it's a vicious demonic cycle. But the first seed of how important it is for us to understand face shame was at a business conference I went to like a year and a half ago. It was this kingdom business conference, and all of a sudden, like in, in the middle of talking about these great principles, they start talking about shame. I'm like. What does shame have to do with performance and yeah, kingdom cash flow and, and like, yeah, yeah. What does that have to do with anything? So, so that that seed was in my mind. I didn't really understand it. I, yeah. It was just seated there, right. you know. And then a year and a half, two years later, um, in my in my process of learning how to grow, what growth really looks like in my own journey, you know, with my family, yeah. the stuff that God's revealing to us, realizing, wow, shame is a crucial factor. I'll just give you one nugget. When you're ashamed, not only can you not grow, you cannot create. Wow. The creativity that God's given us. Because we've been, part of our dominion mandate is to, to we, we're made in the image and likeness of God. And God, above all things, is a creator. Yep. Like everything he, is, he creates is awesome. All the, all the devil can do is imitate God. Yep. He just creates counterfeit version of what God's made. God's the one who made marriage awesome. God's the one who made life awesome. God's the one who made the earth awesome, you know. But so we are as image bearers are sub creators. You right. know, we don't we can't create something out of nothing. But there's a ingenuity God's given each one of us to restore his kingdom for the kingdom to mandate is to create. And when we are in shame, we cannot create. Wow. So it goes back to, you know, this whole podcast is dedicated to declaring the lordship of Jesus Christ over all creation and, and really understanding a biblical worldview and how that impacts everything that we do. And so I love the way you tie that into to the, the dominion mandate, which sometimes, you know, when we're talking about the gospel, we go straight to John 3.16 and we focus on the cross. But the Christian worldview does not begin at the cross. It begins at creation and being created in the image and likeness yeah. of God, being called to God's mission. In fact, you know, one of the things that I like to remind our listeners about is we're a part of a larger story and that's what makes us unique as human beings. Animals don't create stories, you know. Right. Your dog doesn't have a dream for his life, you know, but we do. <laughs> and we uh, we create, as you said, and we're called to to use our skills and our gifts and everything for the glory of God. And um, and God has this amazing story for our lives. We also like to remind people, Satan has a horrific story for your life, and he's always trying to hijack 
the goodness and the kindness of God. And, and, and the reason for this series on shame is the, the prime, I believe, the prime uh, emotion, uh, the prime tool, the, to- the prime weapon that Satan uses to derail our story is shame. And as you said, when, when you're dealing with all these toxic emotions and your mind is distracted and the story that you're telling yourself is full of lies. Mm-hmm. You cannot be creative. You cannot be yourself. You cannot really use your gifts. You're, you're always you're trapped in this whole vicious cycle of of shame and what you're telling yourself about yourself. And, and it really it, it kills your ability to to be the person God's called you to be. Well, simply put, Jesus talked about uh, when we've been given talents, we're supposed to multiply. You get the story of the parable of the talents, right? Yeah. How do you multiply your talents and your abilities when you're bogged down in shame? We know what shame makes you do. It makes you dig a hole, bear your talent, and say, when the Lord says, this is what I got. Yeah. That, that servant, out of his shame, produced shame. Right. And that's what he did. You, know? yeah, you end up hiding. And, yeah. and that's, I think, the other reason, you know, as we're, as we're committed here to grow people, multiply leaders, um, one of the things we're going to have to address as a church family and address individually is shame. Because when I'm ashamed... I don't react properly towards you. I don't. I don't want to use my gifts to serve other people. I want to just isolate myself and stay hidden in, a, in my little uh, relational cocoon. Yeah. Because it's way too scary uh, to think about opening up my life and and really allowing somebody else to come in and right. to really know me, which is what we want. We want to be known. We we want to be known for who we are. We want to be loved for who we are. Uh, we want to be accepted. Uh, and shame keeps us isolated from all that so yeah so anyway it it, it's going to be a really really good series and i I think one of the things that i I want you to talk about this you know one of the things that makes shame so powerful in the hands of the enemy is it it likes to stay hidden it likes to stay under the surface and so you know we i had a great time away with my sons and we were sitting around uh, a fire the other day this was a kind of a surprise um, uh, early birthday present for me and uh, so all my boys, we got we got away, and we're sitting around this fire. And and my uh, my son was saying, you know, Dad, I was just been examining why I react in certain ways. He said, you know, my wife will suggest something like helping her out in this area or that area, and all of a sudden, you know, anger will go off inside of me. And I kept thinking, why am I angry? He was telling me, why am I, why do I react that way? And when you get right down to the root of it. Because it was a simple request, like, hey, do you mind uh, helping do the dishes or something like that? And and then this anger triggers. And, you know, it, when he started looking at it, he realized that the root of this anger was was a sense of shame. Like, am I not enough? Does the, the, Is she insulting me by asking me to do that as if I can't recognize it needs to be done or I don't have the ability to see it and then to perform, you know? Yeah. So... As men, there's this nagging sense, and I, I say men because maybe that's because we identify because we yeah. are men. I'm sure women deal with it in their own way as well, but it's yeah. this it's this nagging voice inside of you that says, you're not enough, you don't measure up, you don't have what it takes. Um, and when you, when you keep listening to that over and over again, <clears throat> almost imperceptible voice, because until we learn to attune to it, it it's just hiding in the, in the shadows. But it shapes the way we relate to each other. Yeah. And uh, and I wanted you to share for our listeners, you, you brought this up in a, a message a few weeks ago, but just in your own relationship with your wife, how you guys are learning to identify 
shame. And you learn some valuable lessons on what you can't do to help people get out of shame. And I, I think as men, this is this is important for us to hear because we're fixers. And But yeah. that's not how we... We need to fix it in the right way. Sure. But share that sure. story because I thought it was powerful. Maybe give us an update too. Yeah. <clears throat> and by this point, you might I might have even shared a sermon at this point. We're not sure because this is the powerful stories. You know, like I'm a practitioner. Yeah. I, I don't like just to have talk about theories yeah. and... You know, I'm like, okay, here's a theory. What's the practical application? And can I test it to see if it actually works? Right. You know, I'm a, I'm a scientist by nature. I take a theory, I practice it, I try it in my own family to see if it works. <laughs> and then I report the results and say, hey, this actually works. Or no, we need to make adjustments. And, and, and basically the idea is, is shame is so subtle. Um, yeah. The book we've been reading called The Soul of Shame uh, talks about, it's like a, a shame advisor. It's, it's literally the little devil on your shoulder. Right. Um, that little voice. The little in your voice. Head. Yeah. And it's imperceptible because it, 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 its goal is to not reveal itself. It's not glory for itself. Its goal is to destroy you. That's what the, the author talked about. I was like, wow, that's devious. Yeah. They don't care about you knowing, taking credit. They just want to destroy you. Right. I mean, think about that for a second. So, so this is important too because to identify that, that shame itself is demonic. Yeah. The goal of shame is to separate us from God and separate us from, from each, each other, other. Yeah. which is literally to destroy our, our story of who we are and joining the Lord and creating and, and bringing people to him and restoring people and all that. So, well, and isn't that what basically hell on earth is? Yeah. Separation from my heavenly father and separation from everyone else. Yeah. I mean, that's hell on earth, right? Yeah. Anyways, um, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, what's the antidote to shame? How do you, how do we actually deal with it? Well, antidote is vulnerability and it's connection with other right. people and part of it is also recognizing you know because shame is so subtle that when you don't recognize it you think it's just part of a natural life you integrate it into your 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 culture integrate it in everything right. you are and you operate out of shame and you don't even know you're operating out of shame as we're saying we you know we're in a story but we're constantly telling a story yeah and that story we're telling if shame seeps in there we don't even recognize that our whole our whole messaging that's going on inside of us is rooted in that toxic emotion that's yeah. destroying it's destroying everything we're trying to do. Yeah. Some people go through relationship after relationship or failure after yeah. failure or they can't get traction in their work or their career. And really, with it, it's if you listen to that little little demon on your shoulder, you'll get some insight into why that's the case. Because it's what you're telling yourself and believing about yourself. I mean, the way I describe it is, like you said, for a man, or you know, the the, the pivotal question is, do I have what it takes? Do can I can I am I do I have enough? You know, for a woman, it's a little bit different version. This is my take on it is is basically, am I valuable? Am I precious? Am I worth yeah. worth it? You know, yeah. and. Um, those voices, if you start with a narrative that I'm not enough, you could be the most accomplished person in the whole world. All When you accomplish the greatest thing, you win the Olympic gold medal, you win the Super Bowl, right. and all because of your narrative, that information comes to you and simply says you're still not enough. you got to accomplish more. Yep. You know, because your narrative dictates everything. Right? You know, I've got a group of men we were just meeting last night and it had some amazing, amazing uh dialogue and heart to heart and really a, a developing a, a, a culture of great vulnerability where healing can take place. But we were all, all talking about how when we asked our wives, you know, what is one way I can improve? One of the common responses that they'll, they'll share is, you know, you're not, when you're home, you're not home. You're still engaged with your work. I can still tell you're, you're um, you know, carrying the responsibilities. And, and then we as men will say things like, well, Aren't you glad you're married to a man that's a leader? And, you know, the, the reason we have this lifestyle is because of my hard work. And, 
And, you know, that's one of the gifts God's given me is the ability to lead. And while all these things are true, what our wives are really saying in between the lines is, I value you. I love you. I want you to be here. Our family needs you. I need you. That, that's what they're saying. But right. it comes it comes twisted through our uh, through our shame right. as I'm not enough and I am enough. And look how hard I'm working. And and we work 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 like you. So we get on that performance wheel because our performance somehow validates that we are enough. And yet when we're living in shame, no matter how hard we work and no matter what we attain. That little voice still keeps telling us that we're never enough. You know, that interaction is just rife with shame. Okay, so from the wise perspective, again, not general case, right. but, but from the wise perspective, she doesn't want to be vulnerable to actually come out and say, you know what, I just want you to, I, I feel vulnerable. I want you to, I want to feel more affirmed by your yeah. love. Your presence, your, you being present in your mind, your spirit, communicates to me that you love me. So when you're thinking about work, I feel left rejected. out i feel yeah. rejected she doesn't say that because of shame she doesn't communicate that because she doesn't want to be vulnerable because she doesn't want to be you know feel rejected right, right. from the husband's perspective he hearing this and he's thinking i'm i'm i can do because i've been there before oh, yeah. i work with everything i got i give 100 percent, and i'm, I'm still not enough yeah. it's still not enough for you I mean, Shane's playing both sides. He's getting both sides of the deal. Right. I mean, he's winning on this side. He's yeah. winning on this side. And there's no real vulnerability. There's no real intimacy con connection. Because let's strip away Shane for a second. The wife says, I want you. I love you. Am I enough? And the husband's like, when the husband's affirmed by the Lord, his identity is assured. And there's no shame there. He says, yes, you are enough. I want to be with you. Yes, help me not think about work as much. I want to right. be with you. That leads to great intimacy and vulnerability. Right. But shame gets in there and just blows oh, yeah. everything up. Yeah. And next you know you're in an argument, you're fighting, you're on two different teams. Reinforces the shame, yep. and puts the walls back up. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and we co we constantly are talking past each other. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we, we talk through hurt, or we might have expectations. We're so excited to be together that something comes up, and then we're hurt. And so instead of saying, you know, I'm just hurt, I was really looking forward to being with you. We say things like, why do you always, and how come you never? Exactly. Yeah. We, we use that kind of language, which just, again, just wounds and hurts instead of instead of being vulnerable, which is what God wants us to be, and which is, you know, we go we talk about going all the way back in the garden, uh, you know, with Adam and Eve, and the, the ultimate picture there of shame and brokenness that came in. Yeah. But we'll talk, we'll yeah, talk going back, back to, yeah, going back, I went on a little bunny trail, yeah, but that was good, good yeah, bunny trail. <laughs> but, but what I, so I, you know, I'm, I'm big on like, that's not trying to go for the home run. I just learned how to pick up a bat. <laughs> that's good. You know, talk about that though. What is, what is the home run or no, I'm not trying to be like, Hey, you know what? I want you, I want to solve all your vulnerability. We're going to just be vulnerable. Just, right. you know, it's like, you want to run the marathon, you know, don't go and run 10 miles today. You can get 10 miles down next day. You never want to ever run again. Just go for a five minute walk. Yeah. Just get that in your yeah. system. You know? So I just said to my wife, I said, Hey, let's just do a practice once a day. We're going to share one little nugget of shame, one little nugget of, and I, we, we started with whenever she feels shame, she'll text me and I'll ask her and I'll say, Hey, we took your shame. So that's a little fundamental step. Now we move on to the next little step. I mean, literally going from walking five minutes a day to walking six minutes a day. Yeah. Just to back yeah. up. With you. So, so yeah. you and Debbie were just trying to get in touch with how much of your behavior or your thought life is still rooted in shame. Yeah. 
So you're, you're doing an exercise to basically be aware of that. And your exercises in Debbie's situation, she was especially yep. getting rocked by, by what she was reading and realizing, wow, you know, kind of an aha moment. Yeah. So she'll just text you. Shame. Shame. The word shame. The word shame. Yeah. It's real simple. And, and I text her back. I said, who took your shame? She texted me back, Jesus. Who took your shame? So now we're getting in the fact that, that Christ is really the only one that can heal our heart. Yeah. And he's already taken our shame at the cross. Uh, but you're, you're ident- she's acknowledging it. You're identifying I'm connecting with, well. with her. And, and then I also make her, well, I make her, I, I, I encourage her to connection to Jesus in the middle of that. Right. You know, whether she feels it or not, that's not the point. We're just taking a baby step. Yeah. So she's being more sensitive to all the attack of shame. So am I in yeah. terms of my wife. And right? you're, and all you're doing is, is redirecting. You're not trying to solve her no. problem. And, no. and you brought up a really good point. Sometimes when when people are feeling a lack or inadequacy or, or a lack of worth, um, we tell, oh, no, no, that's not the case. You're special. You're valuable. But but you said that actually has kind of a reverse effect. Talk about that. Like, yeah. like you, you're, you're trying to be Debbie's cheerleader, but you it really wasn't having the, the – you weren't fixing the problem no, by being her cheerleader. I, I make it worse because, you know, she's feeling bad about, you know, a lot she, – she, in her perception, she didn't do well and whatever. I'm like, no, you did great. You should feel great. You should feel great about yourself. What I'm doing is I'm not only am I not helping with her shame, I'm throwing more shame because she feels bad now for not feeling good. Yeah, exactly. Does that make sense? You're saying, oh, you're not seeing it correctly. You're yeah. really awesome. Yeah. And then she's feeling, oh, now, I'm, now I'm out of touch and yeah. I should be feeling awesome, I'm a, but I'm not. So right. I'm a loser. So I'm a loser double. <laughs> and, and, and again, oh my God, how many times have I made that mistake? <laughs> years and years and years. And eventually one day I'm just like, Andrew, stop doing the same thing. Expect different results. Yeah. Just shut your mouth and listen to her and empathize with her. And that, you know? and that was a good point. Yeah. Sometimes as men, just learning to listen and to be present yeah. and empathize with our wife. And, and uh, sometimes just being there physically, being there emotionally, sometimes just an embrace physically. Uh, Honey, I love you. You know we're going to get through this. Pointing pointing back to the Lord is much more valuable than stop talking that. Well, let me tell you how we're going to fix this, right. which does not go over so well. So so you know that was our baby step. So she was able to start to identify the the the, the whispers that burden heavy feeling of shame and recognize no that's shame at work. That's not me. That's not God. That's shame. Now the next baby step we took is I'm recognizing there's shame in my life. I mean, you mentioned the word uh, the other day, ubiquitous. You know, that's <laughs> yes. actually a pharmacology term. That's a, that's a, that's a, biochem- that's a great biochemical word. term. That, is a great that word. word means it's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yes, right. It's, it's, it's involved in everything, ubiquitous, right? And um, I would say shame is in, ubiquitous in most of our lives, and we just don't even recognize it. So what we're doing now is once a day, we make a connection point, not super long unless it has to be, which I share an area of processing that could lead to, I share something with her and she shares something with me. Mm-hmm. And I set an alarm on my clock at 10 o'clock at night. And of course we try to do it before 10, but if we don't, because life gets busy and kids and all that stuff, my, when my alarm goes off, it's a check to say, did you guys connect today? So it was a daily connection for us to talk about that. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's working for me. It's working for her. Last night we had a connection point. She's like, I feel better. I feel stronger. I mean, it's, it's working. So anyway, just, well, and you know, we have, we have shame-based cultures all over the place. You know, there's uh, workplaces can be toxic where people's uh, work is attacked or their characters attacked or whatever. I mean, we're living in a social media culture now where 
we don't talk about issues anymore, really celebrate things. We just constantly attack one another. Censors, um, using shame to yep. censor people and all that. Yeah, yep, yep. We, we call people names. Um, I mean, it's terrible. So then you come into the church. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, our church cultures have not been the most life-giving in many, many times in many situations. In other words, and we we address this at Living Stones right from our starting point class, you know, where I, I kind of jokingly make the statement, but it's true. Hey, we just assume all you new folks are, are messed up, so welcome, welcome to the hospital, basically. You know, that we don't assume at Living Stones that everybody has to come in in a state of perfection. In fact, the opposite <laughs> is just the truth, right? right. We're all broken. Uh, we're all mired by sin. We've all been devastated in some degree by sin. And the good news of the gospel is Jesus, uh, I like what Pastor Keith said, Jesus is, is redemption waiting to happen, you know. Uh, uh, basically, he's looking to redeem and touch and heal and bring to life and to restore people. And he lives on that default. He yeah. came to seek and save the lost. And so, really, in our church cultures, we sh there should be places where we can kind of let the guard down and really let people in. Now, this is hard, and, and, and you know, I just had somebody comment on your message the other day talking about the difference between information, which is easy, and growth, which is hard. You know, you can learn new truths, but to, to grow means we've got to change. And I think when we're in, 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 especially in this area of guilt and shame, uh, it's painful to go there sometimes. It's easier to keep our masks up at church and pretend like everything is great. Yeah. But what we're trying to say here at Living Stones is, you know, you're not going to grow truly until you're willing in the context of other people to let your guard down and let people in and really expose things that maybe you've even been afraid and maybe they're deep, dark secrets that nobody knows. Um, but the church should be an environment where you can build relationships and where you can finally let that deep, dark secret out. God knows about it and you know about it, but... The healing comes when you allow others into that place, yep. you know, of shame. And talk a little bit about, I think it's important we make the distinction between guilt mm -hmm. and shame. What What's the difference there? What is guilt and, and how, how is it different from shame? Yeah, and, and the distinction the author in Soul Shame makes, which I, resonated with me a lot, is guilt is feeling bad for what you did. Right. And, and let's just part of, you know, guilt, yeah. guilt is not bad in the sense that when we do something that violates God's laws, the way God created things to operate. Guilt is our response to breaking that law. Yeah. And uh, and guilt, in, I've heard, is a good thing in the sense that it's like the body's nervous system. Mm -hmm. You know, when you put sure. your hand on something hot, you, your nervous system is there to go, yeah, you, you're, you know, you have an instant response. Right. Uh, and that's good. It's not good that you got burned, but it's good that your nervous system said, get your hand off of that. It's right. hot. If you keep your hand there, you lose your hand. Right. Uh, and eventually you lose your body. And so when we violate God's laws, guilt is what tells us we did, I did something wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a provision for that, obviously. We repent of our sins yeah. and we, we acknowledge that we're wrong and we receive forgiveness. So so in that regard, guilt is, is helpful to us. Yeah. It keeps It's like the guardrails. It keeps us on the path of life. I, the way I like to think about it, it's like, you know, for, the, for, for believers and unbelievers, there should be a degree of conscience in us, right? right? The little cricket, right? right. No, the grasshopper, whatever. <laughs> what Jimmy the Cricket. Yeah, Jimmy, yeah. <laughs> the, um, 
that tells us, hey, that that you know, you this is bad. It's bad to abuse people. It's bad to hurt people. Right. It's bad to kill people. You know, don't talk that don't way. Talk, to your wife. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, I have you know, a sense of oh, I did that. Wrong. That kind of keeps a society together. You know, right. we're not all psychopaths. That there's a degree of, of saying that's bad. And and for the Christians, conviction from the Holy Spirit is saying, you know what, right. that what you did was wrong. Like. That defies God. You need to go repent. So that's guilt. It's feeling bad. Is that weightiness? Is that conviction when something when you did something wrong? And guilt is really focused in behavior. Behavior. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's you, you, the way you acted, the way you talked, the way you handled that, um, or, or 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 what somebody did to you that that hurt you and was wrong. I mean, it it, it deals with behaviors that we can then bring to the cross and change. Right. But shame is, like you said, it's much more pernicious. It's, de- it's darker. It's deeper because it takes our behavior and it takes us to the next level. Yeah, shame is is feeling bad for who you are. So now it's just a direct attack on your identity. So what you did versus who you are. And as you said, that the issue here now is not just with behaviors that can be changed or repented of. Yeah. But now it's it's dealing with your identity. It's your it's it's how you see yourself. It's not I. I did a bad thing. It's I am a bad person. Yeah, and and talk about that for a little. Why is that so much? I guess more insidious uh, because um, now we're now we're dealing with with something that deals with the core of our our being. Yeah, and I think one of the major reason why it's <clears throat> so much so different is because behaviorally we're supposed to grow and change. There's a natural regression to that. You don't act the same way when you were three. You know, right. you shouldn't act the same way when you're three. Right. But the core being of who you are in terms of your identity, especially for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, we're talking about Christians too, who's, you know, the Bible says all these things about who we are in Christ. Right. But when shame comes, it's it's completely nullifying, or trying to nullify what the scripture says about being seated of Christ and new creation and all that stuff. It says you're bad, you're a bad person, you're not enough. Right. Uh, you. It's one thing to go, you know what, oh, I need to stop talking to my wife that way because yeah. I know that hurts her. Lord, please forgive me. And then, honey, help me. And we create some some new uh, patterns. But but when I get to the place where I say, I'm a bad husband, I'm a terrible father, um, it's paralyzing because now it's our identity and we feel like this is who we're trapped into being. And many people just feel like throwing their hands up. Yeah, you give up. Like, like I, I, or if you've had a problem with lust or a problem with pornography, you're just like, you know, I'm an evil person. I, I, in other, in other words, I can never change now, who my behavior, who I am, because it's like it, it's part of my identity. I'm trapped. I, this is just who I am. Yeah, and that's that's self defeating. And and, and the, the the problem is a lot of times when you try to correct someone's behavior, if their narrative is full of shame, you know, even if you're not trying to correct their. Uh, criticize their their identity, correcting their behavior. They see it as correcting their or, or criticizing their identity. Yeah. And this is the landmine we're talking about yeah. dealing with the world today. You know. I was thinking about situations as a father, and of course, you know, I had eight children, and sometimes things get crazy around the house. You know, and you you get frustrated, or maybe you've had a rough day at work. <coughs> Excuse me. You come home, and I remember one time with one of my sons. You know, you can you can adjust and correct behavior. Hey, don't talk that way. Or hey, I've asked you to take the garbage out. You know, uh, whatever the situation is. But I remember getting in a, a heated emotional state 
where you know things it's like a, it's like the snowball rolling down the hill right that becomes this giant, like giant every dad can relate to that it's just like yeah you know, chaos on the house you're just yeah, like what's and, going on and, yeah. I, and so then i yeah. get triggered emotionally and instead of dealing with the behavior i i remember coming out of my mouth something like this what's the matter with you you know, why, like, why can't you figure this out? Like, if this is your problem, what is the matter with you? Yeah. Now, there's a difference between talking about a child's behavior and saying, what's the matter with you? What what I was doing there was really bringing shame because it's saying you're the problem, not your behavior, you. Right. Why can't you get this right? What is the matter with you? You're defective. Uh, you're not getting it. Uh, you're now, in your heart, you were never oh, trying to communicate that, right? No. In fact, I, I look back now, and fortunately, that wasn't a pattern of, of discipline. Right. But I do remember those times, and then I remember a time we were at a, a, a retreat, and I remember one of my sons getting up and just testifying, and he made this comment, which cut me like a knife. He said... Uh, you know, Dad, I, I always just felt like I was never enough, like I could never do it right. Now, in my mind, that was the farthest from sure. reality. Right. Like, right. I, that was not my view of my son. I love my son. I'm proud of my son. But when he said that, it cut me like a knife because I realized, wow, in my parenting, whatever I'm doing here, I'm majorly missing it because... How I feel truly about him and how he thinks I feel about him and his identity that's being shaped because of me are miles apart. And, and I realized the devil had had gone into that relationship and that through my words, and that's usually how this happens, it's, it's, it's a word, it's a tone of voice. Uh, it's a, some type of messaging that basically communicates, you know, like when you're, when you're frustrated, the room's a disaster and the kids haven't picked it up and you're tired. And you give one of those eye rolls or, or that sigh uh, that just looks at the child. You don't even have to say anything, but what they communicate through your spirit is, you know what, you're a loser. You're not enough. You're, you're the problem. You're, you're the, the reason problem. why I'm, I'm stressed. Yeah, you're why I'm mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, and it, completely opposite of what we believe in them. But right. that's the message that we're communicating yeah. at that time. And those kind of things, that's where shame is just piled on. And you'd begin to listen to those little voices inside of your head. You know, I'm not valuable. Daddy doesn't love me. I'm never good enough. Uh, I mean, those are terrible messages to, to send. And and I, I've been guilty. And uh, I've also been guilty of that. And I would say in those moments for me, when I feel overwhelmed, my kids are all messing this, spilled this, and the kids misbehaving and blah, blah, blah. In that moment, shame's got a hold of me because when there's chaos in the house, what Shane's speaking to me is, Andrew, you're not enough. You can't run this household well. You can't keep control of your kids. Your kids are misbehaving. You're a bad dad. You're a bad husband. You're, you know, so shame activates me first, right. which then caused me to spill out more shame to my kids right. and, and spill on to them. Passing it on to the next generation. And, yeah, and right. this is how it goes. It's an so, epidemic of shame. Yeah. So, so, you know, if you're listening here, you can, you know, I mean, we're just trying to, <laughs> we're just trying to throw the first volley out, but you can see how. Again, shame is everywhere, and it's so much a part of our parenting. It's a part of our upbringing, and, and they get again. It's it's the legacy. It's a terrible legacy, but it's the legacy we pass on to our children and their children. And and you know, even you you look at how much even in the wider culture, so much of the problems we're dealing with today are really 
rooted not in policy situations, but in shame and yeah. in t- uh, pe- people attacking other people because of how they feel and, and pain and accusations. Well, and- people aren't willing to look at the right solution, the correct solution, because shame has caused a blind spot or shame simply allowed them to not, because the narrative, never look at the right... Oh, the right solution to the problem. Yeah. They, they won't even, I can't even look at that uh, solution because it's too shameful for me to look at. Right, too painful. To too painful to look at, yeah. And, and so, you know, back to, to the, the church, you know, what we believe here at Living Stones is that the, the church, the culture of the church should be a culture where shame can be exposed, where guilt can be exposed, where these things can be healed in an appropriate way. We're, we're going to be dealing with this in the series coming up. I think you'll find it very, very helpful. But first of all, the awareness to see it and then the right solution on how to heal it. And of course, all of this is wrapped up in the good news of the gospel. But, you know, I think when this uh, podcast gets aired, you know, we'll be only a week or so away from uh, an event that is a huge next step event for us at Living Stones. In other words, like if you come and you, you become a part of our culture here, part of our tribe, a part of our family, where, you know, the question is like, what's my next step? How do I get involved? And we're going to tell you a couple of things. The, the first thing we're going to tell you is get to an, an encounter weekend. Now, the reason these encounter weekends are so powerful is that, first of all, our leaders expose their own lives, their own brokenness, their own shame they've had to walk through. And when you're sitting in an audience of a group of men or a group of women and you're hearing a leader be vulnerable mm-hmm. and transparent, like our leadership is, it gives you permission to go, wow. If that guy dealt with that, then that gives me the freedom to know I can bring my stuff out in the open and God can also heal me. If God healed my leader of some of the brokenness and shame and guilt, then God can deal that deal with me in that. And so, as you know, our, our encounters are powerful times of coming to the cross after every session. We've got opportunities for people to come forward. And I remember my first encounter there was something that happened in my life as a child that that brought shame you know again it was like you're a bad person or you're you're not enough or whatever Uh, or you shouldn't have allowed this to happen or that was a bad choice that you made and that that should have never happened you know it's all those things the devil tells you to beat you up with but i remember standing at that altar with another brother in christ and being able to say hey would you pray for me about this i've i've carried this this shameful secret you know for way too long and I've never really voiced it to anybody. And here's the tragedy, you know, when you when you carry those things and they're hidden, they don't go away. They just keep they just keep screwing up your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I remember the freedom I had being able to be vulnerable and transparent with brokenness in my life. And we hear this over and over again when you create whether it's our marriage class mm-hmm. or the other thing that we encourage people to do as a next step is life groups. Mm-hmm. Why are life groups valuable and part of the journey to getting us set free from shame? Well, because, well, we're going to get to this in a little bit, but the, the antidote to shame is vulnerability and community. Right. It's, it's real, genuine, relational, and acceptance, a safe place of connection. You know, and it takes people. It really takes people. Yeah. This, is, this is the paradox yeah. that I've found is... Most of the time in our lives, our hurts and our guilt and our shame comes from interactions with people. I mean, sometimes people are are sexually molested or abused or hurt. You know, sex, the whole sexuality piece has a huge part in, in shaping us. And we live in a broken, perverted culture. So 
So the whole sexual thing uh, is where a lot of hurt and damage comes into. And then it comes into to other relationships. Maybe it's a, a father-son or father-daughter relationship or it's a marital relationship where there's been wounds or hurts or rejection. The point is, most of our junk comes into our lives through other people, broken people. And the paradox is you're not going to get healed unless you're willing to go back to people yeah. uh, to get the healing that came from people, yeah. you know, the brokenness that came from people, the wounding. And so, you know, a lot of times, again, that isolation, we want to go hide. We want to just keep to ourselves. We, we don't want to stick our necks out again. You know, I was talking to a situation of a, a woman who was deeply wounded by other women. And so... How do we deal with that? Well, we put walls up and you say, I don't need to be around other women. In fact, I don't need women. Uh, and then it begins to create that little storyline in your life, which leads to isolation and separation. The fact of the matter is we we all need other people and we're all part of the solution to other people's. As we get healed, we're part of the solution to other people's hurt. Yeah. And so that's part of that whole redemptive call that we have as God's people. But she's realizing now that, hey, I do need women, and so she's in a discipleship group where these ladies are loving her and accepting her, and she's being known, and she's able to share her, her heart, and she's able to be validated and cherished in that group, and so she's being absolutely transformed. But if she would not have been vulnerable, first of all, to join the group, if that group would not have been a healthy place uh, of people who are all on a journey of healing themselves, she'd be missing out. She'd be being t basically taken out of the game. She'd be on the bench. And I think there's a lot of Christians, men and women, who are on the bench. And it's because you've chosen just to say, you know, it's not worth getting in the game because you can get hurt out there in the game. And she's realizing that, you know, places like life groups, uh, renovating you, celebrate recovery. These are all places where we can say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I've been through. Yeah. But the good news is you separate the behaviors from your identity and you realize that's what I did, but that's not who I am. Yeah. And that's, that's a big part. I just want to clarify on one more point. It's like shame could come when you have not committed anything wrong. In right. fact, those shame are probably much more subtle and much more devious because when you did something wrong, there's shame. I mean, you have guilt and shame associated with that, you know? That's kind of more obvious. You realize that. So there's so many things that we interact throughout our day, throughout our lives, that there's we, there's nothing. We have no control. But shame is not a discriminator of control or not. It'll come upon you and make you feel like you're not enough. Right. And that's so devious. And we need to identify these areas, like you said, and be able to say, hey, you know what? I feel shame in this arena because it feels like I'm not enough, you know? You know, one of the one of the uh, close conspirators with shame is judgment. Yeah, and and people who are still dealing with their own shame are sometimes the most critical and judgmental of others. It's really a sign that you need to get your own heart healed. Mm -hmm. And um, and so to be in an environment, and this again is what what we're aspiring to here at Living Stones, and I hope it's your church environment. To be in a place where you're not judged, you're, you know, everybody doesn't have the stones in their hand waiting to throw them at you like the woman caught in adultery, right? You're at a place where you can go, you know what, Here, here's who I am. I'm broken. I'm still trapped in this addiction. I'm still involved in this kind of behavior. I've been hurt, and unfortunately, I'm still hurting other people. Uh, that's the beauty of the gospel is you can put the brakes on that, and you can, you can say, you know what, I... I can repent of my sin, and in my past sin, does not have to be my story forever. In other words, I think the beauty of the gospel is you can either keep looking in the rearview rear view mirror about 
who you were, what people did to you, or what people said about you, or what you're still believing about yourself, or you can begin to shift your focus and be in a healthy group of people where you're all moving towards wholeness together because of Jesus. And here's the cool thing is, is what you're focusing on a lot of times determines your story. And so if you're focused on your shame, if you're focused on your brokenness of the past, you're going to get stuck in a bad loop. You know, you're, you're never going to get out of it. It's like, read chapter eight and repeat, go back to chapter yeah. seven, read, yeah. go to chapter, oh, repeat. You're, you're in this terrible loop of shame. Yeah. And you have, the only way you break out of that, like Pastor Andrew was saying, is in the context of a, a, a relationship or a group of relationships where you can be vulnerable and transparent and where you can get healed and where you can begin to focus now on the new you that's defined by who Jesus says you are, not who the devil says you are or who, th who that voice of shame says you are. Yeah. And that to me is exciting about, about the local church. So, you know, we like to encourage people, get connected on Sunday mornings. Um, uh, the church is a hospital. It's, it's not a, a place where there's a bunch of heroes or superstars or perfect people. It's a hospital. It's where broken people come and get healed. Uh, get involved in a small group where you can build relationships with people and go, you know what? It's okay for me to be myself. It's okay for me to, to open up and uh, to share about what I'm struggling with. Um, get off to an encounter weekend and, and really let the Lord begin to expose some of these things and bring them to the light uh, where you can be healed. Uh, but get connected relationally because it's in the context of those relationships that you're going to be able to, to to deal with your own heart and who you are and the lies the enemy's been speaking to you. And really, you get you get your identity shaped and transformed, uh, and you become really who God's story is for you. Remember, you're 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 involved in a story, and yet you're also telling yourself a story. And we want to make sure you see the bigger picture of God's purpose for you. He has an amazing plan and call on your life. It's to be a healer of others, but that can't happen until, of course, we allow the gospel and Jesus to heal us. And so that happens in the context of a good, healthy local church. If you don't have one, find one. If you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to invite you out to Livingstones to be a part of what we're doing here and just experience what I believe is just a, a life transforming culture that God is creating here. And we're excited to be a part of it. And we'd love for you to be a part of it. Any final volley on this? No, I think we're good. I think this is going to be an exciting series. This is a life changing so far for my family, yeah. uh, for, for my friends who I shared this with. This is, like I said, ubiquitous to all of us. Yes. What so, a great word. Yeah. <laughs> ubiquitous everywhere. You cannot go in. It's like oxygen. And, and unfortunately, that's what shame is like. Uh, it's everywhere. And, it, and I think, you know, for me, as we get into the series, just opening our, our eyes, asking the Holy Spirit to show us how much of our behavior has either been impacted or is still being impacted yeah. through that script of shame yeah. and letting the Lord rewrite that. So we hope you enjoy this. And that's going to be some of what we're going to dive into in the, uh, the weeks ahead on this Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Again, tying it all back into the larger picture of Christian worldview and, and, and share that last little fact that, that was kind of disappointing, which is why we're, we're working on this podcast. George Barna. Yeah, I saw, I saw real quick, Barna. I, I didn't look at it super closely, but it, I think approximately only 6% of Christians identify with the Christian worldview. So, so it's bad enough that the rest of the world isn't operating from a Christ-centered worldview, yeah. but the truth is, you know, the, the bulk of people sitting in church on Sunday morning are not living their lives from a overarching view of reality, a Christian view of reality that shapes everything that they do. Yeah. 
And um, and so if the church can't get it, we certainly can't expect the world to get no, it. No, we got work to um, do. We have work to do. And so that's that's why this podcast was created, and we hope you find it helpful just as we connect the dots between uh, what the what the the Bible, what Christ, what what God Almighty says about reality, and then how we connect our lives to line up with with that reality. That, that's the key to living a, an impactful, healthy life. So thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll spread the word. Again, we'd love to hear your, your comments as to how this is hitting a mark or helping. Um, and uh, again, thanks for joining us on this journey together. Have an amazing week. We look forward to getting together with you next week.